0: Mary Richards, it's great to be with you again.
1: Great to be with you, Lizzie Lassiter.
0: We are continuing our conversation on the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Today, we're focusing on chapter six, which is called Losing Your Body, Losing Yourself. I would summarize this chapter, and I'm curious what you would say, Mary, as discussing how trauma inhibits our ability to literally feel sensory information from our body and, and understand the emotions or, or have the emotions that we're having.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes our bodily perception.
0: Right. Right. And, and disrupts to some extent our agency right
1: absolutely yeah so agency refers you know to our uh, knowing that the choices and decisions the actions that we take are going to affect change ideally that we enjoy Mm -hmm. okay and agency starts with a body sense known as interoception intero, interior, inner, awareness, interoception, our awareness of our sensory body-based feelings.
0: I, you know, I love this word interoception. I, I noticed this years ago when I started teaching asana classes, it, it surprised me to discover that there was such a wide range in my beginning students in people's, what seemed like sort of natural ability to know where their body was in space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you would, I'm sure you've had this experience, Mary and and, and other yoga teachers who are with us, where you, you know, you say like, lift your right arm or, or shift your right hand. And people just look like, so blankly at you know, some students, some students are like, where's my, I'm, I have an arm. I have a, And, and, and as well, when we move to the sensory side, when we cue or invite students from this, to move from a sensory perspective, feeling the organs move or, or feeling the interior interoception of the breath inside the body. Some people are, are, it's almost as if they're disconnected from that information.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, it, they probably are just from a lack of training in somatosensory awareness, because just like anything else, you know, movement and somatosensory um, attention, it, it's a skill, you gotta train it, right? And a lot of us have um, been Taught to actually disengage from our bodies at a very young age. If you think of, you know, kindergarten experiences where kids are taught to walk, you know, on a straight line down the hallway, or they're not allowed to fidget, you know and kids in particular are processing information through their bodies at a long time. But many of us have been socialized to restrain our bodies. No, your body is a source of trouble. It's going to get you in trouble. Even
0: the things we say to children, you know, don't cry. Don't give me such a hard time. Why are you being so difficult? And it's like, I'm saying, why are you being so difficult? Because I am not enjoying as the parent, the emotions that you're having, the, the emotions they're triggering in me, but you're not being difficult. Actually, you're just having a, a, a psychosomatic emotional
1: experience of being in, in the world. Yeah. You're just being alive. Kids just being alive, being yeah. A kid. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we have this um, base consciousness, if you will, it's called the default state network. And the default state network is maintained you know by the midline structures of our brain we talked about those a bit in the last podcast episode regarding chapter five but these um these brain structures they go from our eyes through the center of our brain all the way to the back of our brain and they're all involved in our sense of self and the the kind of largest, brightest region of this, these default state network structures is something called the posterior cingulate, and that's our internal GPS, okay? It gives us a a sense of where the body is in space and our relationship with gravity, okay? And it's strongly connected to the watchtower structure that medial prefrontal cortex and it's also connected to something called the insula which is in the deep brain center and it relays information from our guts our viscera to the emotional centers in the brain and it also is connected to the parietal lobes kind of flanking the center of the brain and they integrate sensory information and then last it's tied to this interior cingulate toward the front near the eyes which coordinates our emotions and thinking okay and a lot of us especially especially for 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 folks who had early life trauma they won't have any activation in those self-sensing areas of the brain except for their gps their posterior cingulate and that's just because the post posterior cingulate has to stay online to keep us you know upright and moving around in the context of gravity right you, you so said we're getting, if- i'm sorry lizzie we're, we're we're getting people who are coming into class right and we don't know what how like what areas of their brain are active yeah So, but it doesn't matter that we don't know because we know their posterior cingulate's active because, you know, they're looking us in the face and whether they know they're in Tadasana or not, we can see them in Tadasana. And so we can use that just basic orientative skill, that basic awareness of being, you know, in a postural expression, we can start to leverage that honestly, to bring other, structures in the brain online with time, patience and gentleness.
0: Mm. So Dr. Vander writes about the default state network. What is your brain doing when you have nothing in particular on your mind? It turns out that you pay attention to yourself. The default state activates the brain areas that work together to create your sense of self is exactly what you've just described. You also said the phrase somatic sensory attention which I loved. And I wondered if you, if you had to write a commercial for the value of spending time at each day, a little bit of time each day, training our somatic, somatic sensory attention, what would you say? What are the kind of benefits of that work?
1: Want to be here now, feel yourself. That's what I would say. You want to be here now, you want to show up for your life, you want to be present and accounted for, feel your body, move your body, shake your groove thing.
0: <laughs> Somatic sensory attention. I just, I love that because it sounds like, you know, it was very achievable or very, very specific in terms of getting putting our attention on the movement and the body sense about what's going on. And, and that's what we do in the practices of yoga. It's like a few minutes every day where we're training our somatic sensory attention. Right.
1: Yeah. Because see everything else, Lizzie can be storytelling. Okay. So our brains are phenomenal. You know, I love my brain. And I love my brain's filing system. You know, someday I'm going to go on Jeopardy and win, right? You know, (laughs) And, and so I love my brain, but here's the thing. Our brains also hide stuff from us and we get into these spirals or samskaras, these ruts that aren't true, where we are telling ourselves based on unintegrated, unprocessed, unintegrated emotions, we're telling ourselves things about ourselves that we believe that have no basis in reality, okay? So, and it does us no good to try and think our way out of these ruts and spirals, just, you, that is not, that's like trying to use um, a hammer to cut a piece of wood okay but what body attentiveness does for us bodyfulness does for us. Just the simple act of clenching and unclenching the hands or the feet when you're feeling anxious or agitated or, or angry, what you know, when you're aware of your feelings, but you don't quite know what to do with them, just by adding small movement and paying attention to the sensations of the movement, it will denature, de-weaponize our thinking and our emotions and allow us to catch our breath. And it is that space, that, that space that we create for ourselves with movement between the actual felt sense of, of, of being aware of breathing and how the body's oriented posturally that creates the flexibility, the elasticity in the container of our awareness for us to ask ourselves, is this True. Is what I am saying to myself true and accurate? Is this happening now? What do I need to do now? What is happening now? That's mm. what somatosensory practice gives us. It gives us space.
0: Yes. It, this it, it, it does feel like spaciousness. I've also been noticing recently in my emotional life that I have, when I'm triggered or in an episode of emotional unrest, I have a tendency to go to a specific thought and I keep, it's like it's like a, that thought becomes a knife and I keep stabbing myself with it and mm. I can't stop. It's like, I keep thinking and I I get in, it's almost, it's not obsession is too strong, but it's like, I I keep spinning and engaging with this thought that may or may not be true. And just, but it's it's like, and then I can shift back to the body or shift my attention to something else. And then it's like, this thought comes back. And then I like, want to go, go back with that. Color. And so <laughs> I've been asking myself, uh, it, like, what is it that, Engaging with this thought,
1: what
0: is this give? What is this getting me? What am I getting out of this? You know, am I am I building up my ego, especially when it's an angry a thought of anger? When I'm when I'm upset or triggered or angry, and then I'm like thinking about what he said or what he did, telling the story, and I really resonate with that word "story" that you said. It feels like that. I keep telling myself the same story over and over and over, and and the, the the Opening of relief for me is, and I'm not always able to choose it, but I can sometimes remind myself to, it's not that I stop telling myself the story, it's that I shift the spotlight of my attention towards something more sensory based
1: in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, because um, again, the body's tangible. And the stories we tell ourselves so often are fairy tales from our childhood based on our archetypal, unresolved fears and feelings. And so when we are experiencing, you know, rumination or we're jackaling ourselves about, Uh, an interaction we had with another person that left us feeling upset and frustrated and maybe angry at ourselves or the other person by doing um you know an asana practice in particular by or going for a walk in the woods or or I'll, you know, take your pick, uh, going for a run or lifting, whatever it is, just engaging in some sort of movement that necessitates we pay attention. It may not resolve the story. It may not help us, you know, rewrite it or, but it can help us challenge the ending.
0: Mm. Let's talk a little bit about the connection between sensations in the body and emotions. Is is he saying here that that sensations are the basis of all emotions?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah. this is such a such a revolutionary idea. First, I've got to get over the fact that like, why we are not taught this as like a normal part of of the course called becoming a human being. But like, (laughs) letting you know, putting that aside for the moment. what. Yeah, what are the consequences of that? What does that really mean if we unpack that hypothesis that sensations in the body are the basis of all emotions? What does that mean to
1: you, Mary? It means we all have the potential to become revolutionaries. That's the way I think of it. and I find it so exciting because it's the key, I believe, to our autonomy and agency and living a satisfying, healthy life. Because so much of what we're taught is designed to disconnect us from the wisdom of our own lived experience and to pigeonhole us into tracks of acceptability and societal acceptance. Now, please understand, I'm not saying we, we have the right to be sociopaths, but I am saying that we are neuroengineered to be productive, cooperative members of society and to work toward the common good. And the more aware we become of our bodies, the more capable we become at identifying needs and wants and figuring out ways to cooperate with others to meet those needs and wants in a way that helps us create a world we enjoy living in.
0: The, on page 113, he writes, if you have a comfortable connection with your inner sensations, if you can trust them to give you accurate information, you will feel in charge of your body, your feelings and yourself. So I just wrote yoga and two <laughs> exclamation points in the margin. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you think about that to systems of authority, is there anything more threatening than an empowered, autonomous individual? mm. This is where Mary gets political. Well, you know, because everything is political. And this is the thing, like us taking back our lived experience and connecting to our actual felt sense of aliveness and the tension and the pressure and the heat and the warmth and the pain and the delight in our bodies, especially the delight and joy in our bodies. This is fundamentally un- Destabilizing for systems of power and control. Mm. And Mm. I'm telling you, let us break these binds that restrain us so that we can become as fully human as we are meant to be. And that begins with our bodily autonomy. And autonomy and agency begin with awareness. It is so, it's... So simple in that way. Of course, it's incredibly difficult and challenging, but when we think about it, the body is the gateway to freedom.
0: Amen. To moksha,
1: to liberation.
0: <laughs> I want to read about yes, yes, I love that. I could not agree more. The he writes about somatic symptoms for which there are no clear physical basis and it as it circles back to trauma I thought this was really interesting for all sorts of yoga and healing modality practitioners um, because we often end up receiving and uh, working with people who have symptoms going on that the western medical establishment can't really put their finger on. Um So Dr. Vander Kolk writes, somatic symptoms for which no clear physical basis can be found are ubiquitous in traumatized children and adults. They can include chronic back and neck pain, fibromyalgia, migraines, digestive problems, spastic colon, or irritable bowel syndrome, chronic fatigue, and some forms of asthma. And I just thought, how many people do I know? How many students do have I known with those symptoms? And I never occurred to me to think back towards trauma.
1: Yeah, or even like just what was their family of origin power dynamic like? You know, they may not have had some sort of, you know, like an explicitly identified identifiable traumatic event, you know, like a car accident or something, but you can be in a family system where the a style of parenting, um, interferes with your processing and integrative systems. You know, you know
0: it was so funny when I, 14 years ago when i started dating my partner Nico he he said something really funny in the beginning he said one of the things i like about you is that you have such a close relationship with your feet and i was like <laughs> what are you talking about but he said he just felt as though not just because i was sitting in half lotus on the bed or whatever but just that like he felt as though i had a closer relationship with my physical body than he did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that was a funny image, a funny way of describing it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like it's so interesting, right? Because we're so organized to just uh, connect to our thoughts. Everything that yeah. so many, so many um, mechanisms in society are thought, cognition oriented, and I mean that has value, absolutely. You know, we need we need to. Learn about history and ethics and um, ec- economics and cooking and things like. We absolutely need to learn information and to be cognitively aware and critically um, engaged. Okay, but but that has its place, right? And what comes first developmentally is absolutely our, our feelings. And it's like you were saying earlier, we tell oh, stop crying. Why are you crying? You know, asking people, why are you crying? Stop it, stop it. And so we are taught at such a young age to suppress, deny, circumscribe, abridge our feelings. And the thing about that is that also affects our cognitive skill and ability. You know, if we want to improve our critical thinking and our cognitive awareness, then we need to become emotionally fluent because emotions predate thoughts and beliefs and they're pre-verbal for a lot of us. And I assure you, just because we're not aware of our feelings does not mean that they are not driving us.
0: It's funny, you know, uh, I can remember a time when I got in a fight with my partner and he, he was away skiing for a couple of days and he came back, he drove, he was parking the car and got out of the car and I saw him and I was thinking in my mind that I, my mind was still in the fight with him, you know? And I was like, oh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to tell him that, that, that. And then, but I noticed when I just saw him after not seeing him for a few days that I had a full body, visceral yes towards him, like I was getting information from below the diaphragm that I wanted to kiss him and just touch, him, just hug him. I was like, my body was saying yes, and my mind was still in this no, yeah, yeah, face if the space, and I thought that was, I noticed it as like, huh how, um, what an incredible mixed message I'm receiving from the (laughs) part of me that is still angry, but then my body wasn't angry anymore. And I noted and noted it of like, okay, maybe I can downgrade this, you know, maybe it's not a category five fight anymore. Maybe we can put it to a category two storm. Like it's, (laughs) you know, okay. My body is saying I'm kind of over it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I want to talk about befriending the body. Um, he writes trauma victims cannot recover until they become familiar with and befriend the sensations in their bodies so as we close this chapter Mary what action items assuming that we are all to some extent trauma survivors just taking that as a jumping off point you know what what are action items or tangible things we can actually do do to help befriend our bodies and get a closer relationship with the sensory information.
1: Practice asana. Practice asana. Move. Exercise every day. Asana, in my opinion, is actually not exercise. Um, asana is a form of meditative movement. Exercise, you're trying, you're challenging your tolerance for load and the light and and the like um so you need both we need to challenge our physical systems to improve robustness and resilience and we also need to simply pay attention to ourselves you know in the sacred geometry of asana because it challenges our uh biases of daily living, okay? So first and foremost, move. Move your body and pay attention, especially to the sensations of the breath, okay? So that I would say is key. And the other thing I would say is key, is to make a habit, to invite yourself, The first question you ask yourself in the morning when your eyes open, how do I feel in my body? Am I hungry? Am I still tired? Does my low back hurt? Are my feet cold? Just scan your body. Start your day that way. And then throughout the day, maybe you need to set a little reminder on your phone that every, let's say three hours, just an arbitrary, arbitrary number on my end here, just set an alarm to ask, how does my body feel? Touch points throughout the day. How does my body feel right now? And then you can expand the inquiry on your yoga mat, when you have the time and bandwidth to spend, oh, if it's five minutes, it's five minutes. If it's 90, it's 90, you know? But you're basically preparing the field for the work, for the intentioned work of asana by just having these touch points throughout the day, touch points of somatic inquiry.
0: I love that touch points of somatic inquiry. Thank you so much, Mary. Tell us where we can find you online.
1: It's my pleasure, Lizzie. I really enjoy these conversations with you and I, it's my sincere hope that folks find the information and perspectives that we're sharing Uh, to be interesting and hopefully useful to them in their lives. So to that end, if you're interested in in more of my thinking and presence, you can check me out at yogawithmaryrichards.com and that applies on the Instagram and all of that stuff.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, we're here with our optimistic, enthusiastic cheerleading for simple ways that you can take better care of your sweet self. We believe in you and we love you, Mary Richards.
1: Oh, I love all of you too. And I really hear that with my heart, Lizzie.
0: Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay.